All right, so hey, if you've been with us uh, this, so far this semester, we're doing a series on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we're calling it Don't Stop Believing. And the whole goal of it is to really think about kind of two things. One is, what is our story uh, as believers? What is the story that connects us, that centers us? The, what is the main thing that we're about? And the Apostles' Creed is a wonderful summary of that. But the other reason I wanted to do it is, is maybe you're here and you're skeptical. You're, you're not sure what you think about Jesus. And I actually think the Apostles' Creed is one of the most succinct, beautiful, just kind of putting before you what it is that Christianity is all about. So that's kind of the goal of this semester. And what we're doing tonight is we're looking at, I believe, in God the Father Almighty. I believe in God the Father Almighty. And to do that, we're looking, sorry about the handouts, that was uh, totally on me, uh, sent FedEx the handout from last week. So uh, that didn't feel pertinent to this week. So that's why if you want to hand out, it's in the group me digitally. You can't take notes on it. But if you want to follow along for the quotes in the passage, you can. So it's in our just RUF USC group me. But the passage I'm going to want to come from tonight is from Galatians 4. I'm going to read verses 1 to 7. And I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to jump in. Here's what Paul writes. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let me pray for us, and then I want to jump into thinking about the privileges of what we have in Jesus to be called the children of God. Let's pray first, though. Um, Father, we we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news that in the fullness of time, you sent into our world to those who could never possibly save ourselves, uh, who could never redeem ourselves, who could never pay for our sins, who could never free ourselves from the bondage that is sin. You sent your son, Jesus, Father, for us. And Lord, I pray that this would be to us again tonight. Maybe we've heard this for the thousandth time. Maybe this is the first time we've ever really heard the good news of Jesus. But Lord, would you let us rejoice tonight that if we are in Christ, there not only is no condemnation for us, but we are your children, deeply loved, precious in your sight. You have a heart full of joy and affection toward us. Lord, would you move our hearts by your spirit that we might cry out even tonight, Abba, Father, with fresh joy, um, with fresh boldness. And Lord, we pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. All right, so two different kind of commercials that have me thinking about where we're going tonight. One is, I don't know if you saw uh, Shang-Chi, but... There was a commercial, a genius commercial, I thought, if you were watching college football, where it's, it's um, Sean and it's the, uh, the Ball brothers, NBA basketball brothers, and they're just in this sort of almost like a recovery-type group talking about father wounds and controlling fathers. If you know anything about the movie, you'll understand it, or the Ball brothers, you'll understand it. But just dealing with how do you deal with a very controlling father. 
And then on the other hand, and this didn't land on me the same way, and it probably didn't land on you in the same way, but I don't know if you saw um, the Blues Clues, the, uh, Steve coming back and sort of saying, I've missed you, and like, I want to affirm, every, and everyone was just crying emojis all over the place. I'm an elder millennial slash almost Gen X, so I didn't, Blues Clues didn't grow up with it. I'm assuming, I don't know if y'all did or not, but, but that hit me because it's like, in so many ways, Steve, Blues Clues was filling what we long for from absent fathers. So you've got, on the one hand, controlling fathers. You've got, on the other hand, often for, for my story and maybe your story, absent fathers, fathers who maybe weren't what we wished they would have been or be. And I think what really stood out to me is how common a heart cry that is for all of us, or at least most of us. And then thinking about Paul in this passage tonight saying, in the fullness of time, God the Father sent his son Jesus for us. And the Father and the Son, in their time, sent the Spirit into our hearts, if you belong to Jesus, that our hearts might have a fresh cry. That our heart cries might, on the one hand, be answered. That our father wounds might find their healing in God as Father. But also that we might learn what it means. This is what I want to do tonight. What do we cry when we cry, Abba? Father. What do we cry? What does it mean to have the privileges of being called the children of God? And there are four things that I want to dive into, at least four things that when we cry by the Spirit, Abba, Father, to God, as our Father, there are four things that are really privileges that we get to just bask in tonight. That's the goal. What do we have in God as Father? We have four things. We have a wisdom that's accessible. We have a patience that's inexhaustible. We have an inheritance that's beautiful, and we have a love that lasts forever. First, let's start with we have a wisdom that's accessible. Now, first, let me start with this. It's unique to Christianity that God is not in the creed. We, we don't just say God the Almighty, maker of, of heaven and earth. But part of what's unique to Christianity is that God is a father. He has a son. And part of what is unique about Christianity and the gospel is that we get to call this almighty maker of heaven and earth God our father. The way that my little, my, when my kids were little, the, the way they were, they, I never was a daddy guy. I talked with some of y'all, not against uh, daddy, but they just called me dad, which I'm very comfortable with. Um, but the way that, you know, the way that when you as a child went to your dad or your daddy, um, but, okay. but we have a wisdom. Part of his fatherhood to us is he has great wisdom for us that he loves to invite us to ask for. He has so much wisdom. He is so wise. He knows us. What does that mean? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows exactly what we need and when we need it and when we don't. He knows uh, not only us better than ourselves and what we need, but he loves it. He loves it when we come to him with our problems, with our pain, with our struggles, with our plans, with our desires. It's why Jesus in Matthew 7, he did that thing where he said, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And part of our cry, Abba, Father, is a cry for wisdom. Father, we need your wisdom. We need your help. I was thinking about one of the most powerful movies I saw last year was uh, The Father. Anthony Hopkins actually won an Academy uh, for his performance in The Father. And it's a painful watch. You're watching Anthony Hopkins, this older father who is 
just going so rapidly downhill with dementia. But the genius of the film is the film is from his perspective. So you're the whole time you're just in this Christopher Nolan type loop of like, I don't know what's going on. But then the way they land the plane is he finally is in this nursing home and you're in the nursing home with him. And this is what, so, I mean, like if you want to weep, go find this scene on YouTube. He's, he's in, he's being tucked into his bed and in this most beautiful performance, he just goes, I want my mommy, mommy, mommy. And he just cries out this old man crying out for his mother. And it's, it's not the same as daddy, but it's the same idea of crying out. I need you. I need your help. I think sometimes the most profound prayer that you and I can pray is, Father, help. Help. That's all I've got. Help me. And I love this idea, this is not unique to me, that the gospel moves us. Because we're not going to do that unless we're moved by the gospel. The gospel moves us from the religion that says, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me, to I messed up, I need to call my dad. It moves us from I messed up, dad is going to kill me, to I messed up, I need my dad. Father, help me. I love the way that John Newton says it in one of his sons. He says, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. And do you understand that the king is our father? The king is our father. His wisdom, a wisdom that's accessible, but two, a patience that's inexhaustible. A patience that's inexhaustible. And what I want to really try to convince you tonight of is that part of God being father, part of him being our father, is his posture toward you and me is one of complete patience. Deep patience. It's Jesus in one of my favorite scenes in the Gospels where, you know, the scene where the little children are coming around and they're disrupting things. And what does Jesus say? Like, you know, when I was growing up, even, well, I'm not going to slander my mom. Certain parents would say children are meant to be seen or uh, seen but not heard. That idea of like children are a distraction. Get them out of here. And Jesus says, no. Let them come to me because my father loves them. My father has so much patience with every one. Or think about this is where it's interesting. God is as father, but there are also these images of scripture that part of his fatherhood is tenderness, which is why scripture is not afraid to use motherly images of God too to try to drive home his relationship to us in this way. And if you think about Isaiah saying, God is like a nursing mother that even though a nursing mother might forget her children, God will never forget us. Or Jesus saying that the heart of God, he says, literally, I'm like a mother hen who longs to gather the chicks under my wings. And part of God's fatherhood is his patience, his tenderness. And we so often just don't believe that. And we don't humanly very often experience that. So let me tell you about my worst ever experience in church. I'm sure I've told this before. This is what I was thinking about. So uh, we're in uh, church with my family. I've got four kids. This is probably three, four years ago. And uh, it's one of those Sundays where Alyssa, my wife, and my oldest were in the nursery. So it was me trying to man the other three. And so I'm like failing miserably. Like my kids, I love that my kids are like not trying to be super respectful in church. They're just trying to be themselves. But let's just say there were certain people in the church who didn't appreciate that as much as maybe I do. And so, like, literally at one point, uh, the pastor says something that my kids think are hilarious, and they just, like, loudly start dying laughing. 
And this guy who's sitting in front of us for the like sixth time, like he's done the thing. I don't, I mean, you're, you're not parents, I don't think. Uh, but he's doing this thing the whole time that a, a parent understands when you're in the pew with your kids where he's just doing that like, I mean, I'm talking, this is like five, like the first time he's like staring, second time. By the seventh time, I was just like staring back like, come on, bro. I am trying my best. What was happening? I had lost my patience. This other dad that my kids created a name for that I won't share <laughs> lost his patience. But guess who had not lost his patience? God. His patience toward us is incredible. It's inexhaustible. It's the patience, if you know Luke 15, the, the parable of the prodigal sons, really. And you know the, the picture of the father that Jesus tells, who's just waiting, longing for his son to come home. And when his son finally comes home, what does he do? Runs to him and, and embraces him with the deepest, warmest hug and kiss on the cheek and then throws a freaking party for him. Why? Because his patience is inexhaustible. A wisdom that's accessible, a patience that's inexhaustible, but then three, an inheritance that's beautiful. And I'm going to try this the best I can. The riches of grace that we have in Christ as the children of God with God as our Father are mountainous. They are unfathomable. They are uncountable. This is what Paul is trying to tap into with the Galatians here. He's saying your new identity in Christ isn't performative. You haven't earned this. It's been freely given, but through your adoption, through my adoption into God's family, we are rich. We are so rich and not because of anything that we've done. Um, it's what Jesus tells his disciples when, he, when he's preparing them for his departure, when he goes to the cross and he's telling them, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house are many rooms, which is an introvert. I'm like, please let me have my own room. Um, but many rooms, just a, a vast house of riches that is ours in him. It's what Paul tries to say, say this way to the Corinthians when he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, for his children. Um, Harry Potter, first book, that scene, God, this scene got me. I, I wasn't prepared. I guess I'd seen it in the movies, but that scene where, you know, Harry's journey, he's been living like an orphan with the Dursleys. And that scene where Hagrid, he comes and, and essentially rescues him. And for the first time, as Hagrid is about to take him to Diagon Alley and, and to Hogwarts eventually, he takes him to Gringotts. And you remember this scene, if you've read the books or you've seen the movies, where Harry for the first time sees all of the riches that his parents have left to him. And you can feel in that moment, Harry going from, I've, I've looked like an orphan. And yet this whole time, I've been so rich in ways that I didn't even know. And that's part of what it means to be a child of God is we are so rich. Our inheritance is so beautiful. And this is the last thing I want you to see. A wisdom that's accessible, a patience that's inexhaustible, an inheritance that's beautiful, and then a love that lasts forever. And this is a pretty simple point. To be a child of God is to be loved forever. Period. Full stop. 
Because there is nothing that you did to earn the Father's love, there is nothing you can do to lose it. To be a child of God is to be loved forever. Um, I think about, I'm going Mad Men. If you know me, you know one of the nerdiest things about me is I'm obsessed with Mad Men. I think it's the best show on earth. But there's a scene, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's been out for a long time, so just deal deal with it. Um, But Don has been caught in the great lie of his life by his wife, Betty. And there's a scene where Betty's going to confront him. And she's got this box of proof that Don is not who he says he is. He's actually a guy named Dick Whitman. That's not too much of a spoiler. But Don, for the first time, is confronted by his wife in his great lie. And there's this scene. They're sitting around the kitchen table. And there's a scene where Betty looks at Don. And it's just the most chilling, honest question that just cuts, cuts. She says, Don, if you were me, would you love you? And Don just breaks down and says, Betty, I was surprised that you ever loved me at all. Y'all, we, we ache to be loved. And we look for it in all the wrong places so, so much of the time. And we have a father who says, I know you more than you know yourself. And I will love you forever. Won't you know my love tonight? Would you know my love tonight? I love the way that J.I. Packer says it. He says, I am graven on the palms of his hands. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. And he doesn't just know us as a friend. He knows us as a child. Close with this. Uh, some of you have heard me tell the story before, but um, so I'm doing uh, RUF Georgia Southern. This is probably, gosh, about 12 years ago. And in my personal quiet time, what, in my personal scripture reading time, I'm not a fan of the word quiet. We can talk about this later. That's coffee date. Um, in my personal reading of scripture, I'm in Galatians 4. I'm at this only coffee shop in States where I said Dunkin' Donuts. I have my donut. I have my coffee. And for whatever reason, my wife that day, this is like as iPods are becoming a thing. That's how old I am. So I'm on the iPad or iPod, and I'm listening to something I wouldn't normally listen to, which is, uh, used to be Dixie Chicks, now it's just the Chicks. So we're going, the Chicks, and it's their song, Lullaby. So I'm reading Galatians 4. I'm eating my donut, which is, which is helping, let's be real, drinking my coffee. And then all of a sudden, if you ever know that, if you know the Chicks song, Lullaby, here's the chorus, and it just broke me. Because the chorus is this. The idea of the song is it's Natalie writing to her firstborn child. And she simply sings, How long do you want to be loved? How long do you want to be loved? Is forever enough? Is forever enough? Because I'm never, ever giving you up. And that's the love that we have with God as our Father. How long do you want to be loved? Is forever enough? Because that's the love that God the Father has for you and for me. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that um, you love us in that way. Lord, that you did not, as Paul says, spare your own son, but gave him up for us all. 
And with him, you will graciously give us all things. Um, Father, we thank you for the privilege of calling you our father. We thank you for the way in which you have given us the riches of adoption, of belonging to you, belonging to your family. Lord, would you um, let us just even for a moment tonight um, come to you in that way and even feel the way that you love us so deeply. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Please stand and sing with us again.